you are all going to die. Now that is a very somber sounding way to start a message. I hope it's an attention getter. Maybe it's a little depressing sounding, but it's true. We are all destined to die, and death will come for each one of us. So our title today is Death Comes for All. We're going to look mainly in two passages. One is in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. And then we will look at various passages in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Death isn't a topic that we need to avoid. Um, Death isn't something that we shouldn't talk about because of its sadness, because of the mourning that we feel when someone close to us dies, the seriousness of it, the gravity of it. But it's not something that we should avoid even in a church service. It's not just reserved for a funeral service. Death is something that we all will face. What is death? Death is simply the results of our sin. When Adam and Eve were upon the earth in the Garden of Eden, there was no death until they separated themselves from God. And in that separation, death came upon all mankind. And now the wages of our sin, our very sin nature, in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, tells us that the wages of our sin is death. Death will come for all because we all are ingrained and born with that sin nature. Just the very being of being human brings us a nature of condemnation and nature that will lead to our ultimate death. Through the sin of Adam in Romans chapter 5, death enters into the world and all mankind has the penalty of death upon us. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. That is our penalty for our nature of sin. Christians, you will die just as you were born. We will die because of our original sin through Adam. Not much less the deeds that we do on this earth, which will condemn us, but just the very nature of sin causes us death and decay. But Ezekiel chapter 18 says that the soul who sins shall die. When we come upon this earth, we walk this earth, we begin early in life to walk a path of sin. Those of us that, uh, that have children or even those that don't and observe children, you learn very quickly that they too are sinners. And they start at a very young age. And as we grow older, we would hope that we would learn, but we don't. We see the teenagers living in sin. We see young adults living in sin. We see middle age fighting against sin. And don't think that because you have the gray head upon your hair that you no longer face sin. Even our elderly are tempted with sin and face sin and some deal with the consequences of past sin. But the ultimate reality for all of us is that sin and our nature of it brings death upon us. That's the result of sin. 
you'll turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, I'm going to read those first seven verses. And the book of the whole book of Ecclesiastes is a sermon, in a sense, and the preacher is preaching about life, all the things in life, the wisdom of life, the vanity of life, the vapor of life. And in the previous chapter, he's talking, we can actually start with the previous chapter in verse 9. He says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart, put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. And then we'll start in chapter 12 in just a moment. But the point of what he's going to tell us here in these next seven verses is death is inevitable. It's inevitable. Only two people were never born. That was Adam and Eve. But everyone else, save two, Enoch and Elijah, have faced death. It's inevitable. It is coming for each and every one of us. So the message here that he's saying is, Young man, remember. Remember thy Creator now in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the star years draw nigh, while when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after rain. He's giving an eloquent word picture of the youth of life. When there's light in the day. When you have strength and energy. But he's warning. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth. I remember being a teenager and a young adult. I was invincible. I used to be a police officer. And I thought I was extremely invincible. But I uh, learned year by year that I am a frail body. I'm just a dying shell. I've had injury after injury. Most of you all know all of that. But I got some disturbing news a couple of weeks ago. And it made me think of this passage that we're going to hear that our bodies decay. I found out the other day that I have permanent nerve damage from all of my back injuries. I've got pins and needles in my feet constantly, and it will never, ever go away. They cannot fix it. So I walk constantly with a pain in my leg and pain in my foot. So we went to the doctor that other day to see if we could figure out some remedies for it. And he goes, oh, did you know you have a torn ACL too? Like, no. I came here to get one problem fixed You didn't fix it, you just added another. And it comes to find out it's a 20-year-old injury from when I was a cop. And I've been limping along with it, just thinking my knee just hurt because of my back. And he was like, no, this is just another part of your body falling apart and dying. I'm probably going to have to have surgery on it eventually. I've lived with it for 20 years, so I can keep limping along as long as possible with it. But the point is, our bodies fall. Ask any of the aged in this room and they will tell you of the aches and the pains that you get every morning trying to get up. You hit 30 and something happens to your body. You hit 40 and a whole lot more happens to your body and then you just start to feel the dread coming on for 50, 60, and 70 and you're like, oh man, my body is dying. It's decaying. It 
hurts. And we groan when we get up. We groan when we walk. We groan when we sit down. You get up and your knees creak and they pop. Your kids laugh because every time you move, some weird noise comes out of your body because you're hurting. But our bodies are decaying. They are failing because death comes for all. None will be spared. And yes, we laugh about it. We laugh about it a lot in our house. I wasn't going to tell you this, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you. The kids were doing this thing the other day where you get your fingers interlocked, and I'm not going to try it, but you put one leg through, keeping your fingers interlocked, and then you put your other leg through, and you end up with your hands behind your back, and you try to stand up. Well, they're just whooping it out. I was like, I've got this. That was a bad idea for me. So I do it, and when I try to stand up, pop! My shoulder popped out of place trying to stand up. And I had to go to the doctor and get my shoulder popped back in. That was the same day that he tells me, oh, you have a torn ACL. It's like, I didn't get mad. I didn't even get frustrated. I actually started chuckling. I'm like, Lord, you are teaching me some kind of lesson here. And it's got to come back down to, I need to remember the frailty of my body. And that one day, death will take this broken down shell and it will come for me as well as it will come for all. So let's read a few of these verses. And So I, I was reading some, to, saying some of them to my kids the other day and they were like, ah, that's what that means. Because I will tell you, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, when I was little, had no clue what this meant. So this preacher, Solomon, is preaching in a very eloquent style. So I'm going to break it down into not so eloquent, more easy to understand. But we'll read it first. In verse 3 he says, In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, and the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few, and those that look out of the windows be darkened, and the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low, he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. And all the daughters of music shall be brought low. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and fear shall be in the way, and the almond tree shall flourish, the grasshopper shall be a burden, and desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the streets, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God who gave it. He's telling us here, everyone will die. Death comes for all. Some tragically through accidents or sickness, some simply by old age. Death does not skip over some and pick others. Death is not a respecter of persons. It's not a respecter of your position or your status in life. All who are alive will taste death, save those that are alive at the coming of Jesus Christ. And this passage here gives us an elaborate story of that. And in verse 3 he says, In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, that's simply your arms are weak. The guarders of the house, the protectors of your home, they've gotten weak. And the strong men shall bow themselves. Your legs are getting weak. They're not working the way that they used to. The grinders cease because they are few. That's the teeth. 
The teeth are falling out. The body's decaying. The chewing stops. And uh, those that look out of the windows be darkened. The eyes begin to dim. And you can't see well. And then the doors shall be shut in the streets. That is your mouth. It will cease to talk. And when the sound of the grinding is low, he shall rise up at the voice of the bird. You just wake up. Everything wakes you up. You can't even sleep good anymore. We had a conversation about that this morning, a few of us. And all the daughters of the music shall be brought low. You can't sing. You can't hear the singing. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high, and their fears shall be in the way. They're afraid to go out because they're unstable. Their legs are weak. Their arms are weak. They don't want to go to heights. They're afraid of the street. Even the grasshopper is a burden, meaning the smallest thing can be a burden when the body is crumbling. The almond tree shall flourish. The hair is gone gray. And desire shall fail, because man goeth to his long home, his death. And the mourners go about into the streets, mourning that death. Wherever the silver cord be loosed, it's believed to be the spinal cord, or the golden bowl be broken. That means the head, the mind. Or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. The heart ceases to pump blood. Then... The dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit shall return unto God. Remember from dust thou art to dust thou shalt return, Adam? It happens to all. The body will decay. Death will come and our souls will leave our earthly shells. Now I have two questions for you today. Is death your enemy or is death your friend? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's turn over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 26 says that the last enemy shall be destroyed is death. There is an enemy in death. And even sometimes we as Christians see death as a sort of an enemy, a type of enemy. But I tell you that death is to be dreaded. Death is to be greatly feared by those who are not in Christ Jesus. Those who must stand before the judgment seat of God upon their own deeds and their own deeds alone... That is a fearful day that man should dread. Not coming in the blood and righteousness of Jesus Christ, but standing before the judgment seat of God based on your deeds. Not just merely your sin nature, but the very deeds that you have lived upon this earth will be judged before a righteous and holy God because all will stand before Him. To those who are not in Christ Jesus, death should be feared. Death should be dreaded. Death is a torment to those who do not know Jesus Christ. All will stand before the great God Almighty, the El Shaddai, the God of all things. 
the creator of all, the giver of life and the taker of life. For those who love Him and for those who do not, He holds those lives in His hands. And all will face Him one day. You know, many, many a sinner mocks death. Many a sinner laughs at death. We've heard stories of prominent atheists that have died or have rejected God and on their deathbed they are in terror and torment. And it should bring torment to those who do not know God. It should be feared and it should be dreaded. When death comes, no amount of money can stay the hand of death. No amount of influence on this earth can stay the hand of death. The wealthiest in the world still die. The kindest in the world still die. The babes die. We see tragic deaths of teenagers. We see sudden deaths of middle-aged people. And we see the expected death of the old. Nothing stays the hand of death. And when God sends death to this earth for each person, that will of God will be accomplished through that hand of death. And for those who do not know God, and for those who stand before the judgment throne of God based upon their own deeds, they are destined for eternal damnation. Hades, hell, separation from God for all eternity. They won't have friends in hell. They won't get down there with their like-minded and join forces and have a good time. They will despise one another. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They will be biting at one another. They will be miserable. They will have no friend, no loved one. They will be alone because they will be away from the very presence of God Himself, which is the darkest of places that any soul could be. And don't think that when the body dies that the soul just vanishes. The body sleeping is not the soul sleeping. The body sleeps in a sense. It rests here until... The souls and the bodies are joined back together. But the soul is always conscious. The soul will always be aware, even at death. Death in hell is not a mocking thing. Death in hell is not a joke. Death in hell is not something to scoff at. Death comes for all mankind. But I tell you that as a child of God, death is your friend. Death is glorious for those who are in Christ Jesus. Death is a welcome for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now I don't mean that we're all walking around wishing that we could just drop dead today or that we would go home and die tomorrow. That's not what it means. It means that we do not dread it. It means that we do not fear death. That it is not a torment nor a terror to us. 
Because when our soul separates from this body, there will be a reunion with our Savior that will be so glorious and so joyful. Joyous. Verse 42 of 1 Corinthians 15 says, So also the resurrection of the dead, it is sown in corruption, it is raised in incorruption, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory, it is sown in weakness, but it is raised in power. When our body goes down, there is corruption, but we will be raised incorruptible. Our spirit is incorruptible in Jesus Christ, and one day our body will be joined with our spirit and in corruption. We die in dishonor, are sown in dishonor, because death, sin has caused our death, and sin is dishonorable. But it is raised in glory because the glorious sacrifice of Jesus Christ brings about a glorious resurrection for those who are in Him. Because when our bodies come from the ground to meet our souls, there will be a a glorious reunion of body and soul. And you will be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and the broken down body will be no more. You will be a new creation in Him. My spine won't hurt, my foot won't hurt, my knee won't hurt, my shoulder won't hurt. It'll be a new created body in Him and it will be glorious. There is nothing to fear in death for those who are in Christ Jesus. Luke chapter 16 gives us the story of the rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man is feasting at his table and Lazarus just wants crumbs from his table, but he's mocked. But they both die. The rich man's wealth gains him nothing. The rich man's wealth does not stay death's hand. The rich man's wealth does not influence death. The rich man's wealth gains him nothing in death because we see him in torment. But Lazarus, the poor man who was in Christ Jesus is taken to the bosom of Abraham. It's the only part of Scripture where you hear that term. That's a picture of heaven resting at Abraham's bosom in heaven. But both souls are conscious. Both souls are aware of where they are. Both souls know what is going on and the rich man is pleading for just a drop of water on his tongue from Lazarus. But the span is too great. There is no going to Hades, no going to hell, learning your lesson, and then being able to come back to a place of redemption in Jesus Christ after death. When you die, it is permanent and your soul is sent permanently to either destruction or glory. There is no purgatory where your sins are burned out of you and then you eventually have them burned away and purged from you till you are gone to heaven. Only Jesus Christ can purge a soul of sin. No amount of suffering in a purgatory which doesn't exist, no amount of suffering and pleading in hell will purge your sin because only Jesus Christ can purge your sin and He does that in this lifetime. Those who do not call upon the name of Jesus Christ in this life will not 
have eternal glory with Him. I don't care if you've lived a good earthly life or you've been a religious man in any religious any religion, or you've been kind to your neighbor, if you've rejected the name of Jesus Christ, then when you die it is permanent and you are in destruction of hell. There is no returning from it. There is no bribing your way out of it and there is no pleading your way from hell. But to those who are in Jesus Christ, there is glory in your death. Because the poor man went immediately to the bosom of Abraham and he rested in peace in his soul because he was in Jesus Christ. Death was his friend. The Puritan preacher Thomas Goodwin said on his deathbed, He whom I feared as an enemy, death, has come as a most beloved friend. Why? Why a friend, Thomas? Why is death a friend to you? When you did dread him at one point, why now can he be a friend? Why welcome what was once feared? Because there is victory in the death. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, look in verses 54 through 57. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is victory in Jesus Christ in your death. Death has no sting. Death has no victory. The grave has not conquered. It is but a resting place that is temporary for your earthly shell while your soul is victorious in Jesus Christ. Death is swallowed up. Isaiah 25, 8 says, that's what this passage here is referencing. Death is swallowed up and He will wipe away all of your tears. There will be no need for tears when you are victorious in Jesus Christ. Because there will be nothing but joy and peace in Him. Knowing that He has swallowed up death, it has no victory over you. But death has conquered those that are in, not in Jesus Christ. They must fear it and dread it, but you have no fear of it. You can take comfort in that day whenever it may come. And I pray that you each get to live a long and prosperous life on this earth. That you can live to be old. That you would walk godly all of your days. And then when you are on your last days on your deathbed, you can say, I welcome that friend of death. Death has been abolished through victory in Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy 1.10 tells us that sting of death is gone. There is no victory in the grave. Hosea 13, 14 is what that's referencing to. It's worded a bit different, but it's the reference. That says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. 
Jesus Christ has purchased you back from the clutch of the grave that has no victory over you. I will redeem them from death. Does that mean you won't die? No, it's saying that death has no hold over you. Death has no power over you. You have no fear or terror in death. And then here he is mocking at death, God is. He says, oh death, I will be thy plagues. Oh grave, I will be thy destruction. The death and the grave will fear God in the end. You, O people of God, have no fear in it because you are covered in Him. Even though death comes for all. Even though death comes for you. Even though we don't know its moment, we have no fear in it. Because God shall wipe away our tears through His victory in that death. Death brings you and I into the very presence of our Savior That was Paul's conundrum here on earth that he speaks of in 2 Corinthians 5 and Philippians 1. To be dead is to be present with Christ, which he longed for, but it was more needful for him to be here. He knew that in his death he would be with his Savior and he longed it. He longed for it, but he knew that he had a purpose here on earth to walk for God, to speak on behalf of God, to teach the words of God. But he longed for the death that would take him to God. That thief on the cross in Luke 24, 23, even though he had lived a life of destruction, he had lived a life outside of Christ, but at his last moments he looks to Jesus Christ in belief. And he says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the most beautiful words that you hear are, This day you will be with me in paradise. I don't think that that thief had any more fear from that moment on. I believe that he was ready to be with his Lord and Savior then. Even so, Lord Jesus, let me go now so that I could be with you would be His thoughts. Because He knew through the promise of Jesus Christ Himself, today, when your soul leaves your body, you will be with me in paradise, resting upon the bosom of Abraham. And I will wipe away all of your tears. Thanks be to God which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast. Be unmovable. Be abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. What is He telling us? Fear not death, it's coming for you. But stand fast, be unmovable. Walk in God's Word all the days that you are given upon this earth. Moses realized the brevity of this life. In Psalm chapter 90, the prayer of Moses 
that man of God. Moses prayed that God's people would learn. I believe it's in verse 12, the middle of the chapter. That we would learn to number our days so that we may apply our hearts to wisdom. Another way of saying that is, Lord, teach us to realize the brevity of our life here so that we may grow in wisdom. Lord, teach us to know that life is but a vapor so that we may count each day. Not the years of our life, but the days, the very days that we are on this earth that we must realize the seriousness of each day that we walk upon this earth That one day we will be called before a judgment seat of God. So teach us to number our days, to take account for those days, so that we may walk in wisdom before God each of the days that we have here on this earth. Are you ready for that friend of death? Or do you fear what will come? The prophet Isaiah went to the king Hezekiah as he lay upon his deathbed. And he says to him that you need to prepare and get your house in order. Older brothers and sisters, those described more eloquently in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, is your house in order? Are you prepared to account for your days before a righteous God? Are you looking forward to that day? Or do you see it with dread and fear? Or do you long to be with your Savior Jesus Christ? Middle-aged, young alike, is your house in order? Yes, we don't think of death as much as the older ones do because they see it closing in, but we think that we have many days upon this earth. Young people, is your house in order? Meaning, are you prepared to stand before a righteous God? Young people, do you fear death? Or do you look forward to standing With Jesus Christ. Are you listening to that prayer of Moses that you would account for your days now? Are you listening to the preacher of Ecclesiastes who tells you to serve God now in your youth before the days are old, before the body wears down and you cannot serve Him? Are you serving Him now in these days? Serve Him today while it is yet day in your life. Walk in Christ Jesus. Walk in His ways. Follow Him. And see that the joy that death has one day for you. Dread it not. Rejoice in that day when it comes. Let us pray. God, I know that Death is not a comfortable topic for us most of the time. The death that we have each experienced in family and friends brings about tears on earth. We're sad to see our loved ones go. 
the Lord for those that are in Christ Jesus and those that are left here upon this earth that know Christ Jesus and know that that loved one is with Him. There is much rejoicing in knowing that their suffering is over. That the pain is gone. And that they are rejoicing with Jesus Christ, their Savior, seeing Him face to face. Lord, I pray that we do not look at that day with dread. That, Lord, we would number our days now. That we would account for our days now. That we would serve You while we are yet young. While our bodies can carry us. Our voices can sing. Our voices can witness. Our eyes can read Your Scriptures. Our mouths can sing Your praises. Lord, may we glorify You now in our youth in our middle ages, and even those that are old, Lord, that they would not fear, but they would find much joy and comfort. Lord, that You are our friend. Because You have covered us. That You have swallowed up that grave. That You are victorious over the death. And that You are victorious over that grave. And we have no fear. But we have joy in knowing that one day we when death comes for us, we'll live in paradise with our God and Savior. Lord, give us that love and that joy and that peace that death cannot cover up. And it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.